Welcome everyone to The Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and its local missions fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. Go to breadoflifeboise.org, breadoflifeboise.org to learn more about both ministries and to gain access to archives of this radio program and archives of full-length sermons as well. I'm glad you've joined us. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and as we go into our study today, we ask that the Spirit of God would open our hearts to His truth, and we turn to Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. There, God promises the people of Israel and their leader that as they carry out their humble work of serving Him, He is bringing all history to one final climatic shaking. God has shaken things up in the past. He shakes things up around us in the present, and He will do it one last time in final judgment. And we do well to find not discomfort in this knowledge, but great comfort in this truth. When justice becomes elusive and unrealized, just know that God is rumbling over you in power and will one day unleash one final shaking as He comes with judgment and justice and then peace to rule upon the earth. That's the promise. Now let's make some applications to all this. If you look at all the scriptures that talk about the final day of the Lord, and it's referred to multiple times in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Lord Jesus then comes and teaches us that that day of the Lord coincides with or is equivalent to his second coming. He's come once already, right? He came as a lamb. He came as a lamb to go and die on a cross for our sins, but he's coming back as a lion to rule and reign. You'll see that when you read about these accounts throughout Scripture, that there are always two parts to it as he talks about these accounts. There's the part that's all about judgment and wrath and vengeance upon evil and injustice and rebelliousness. There's the putting down of all the earthly powers. There's the final stunning overthrow of them and then the accounting or the judging of all those among the nations. And that's the first part. And then if you look at it, you also see there's a second part. And in the second part, there's always along with it, attended to it, deliverance and rescue, and reward, and safety, and intimacy, and the drawing in of God's love, and the drawing in into God's peace, and both of them are there. There's this judgment, and this terror, and this vengeance of God, and then there's this mercy, and this peace, and this love, and this experience of always being with God, and being rescued with God, and And we in the Western world in particular like the second part. We like safety, we like intimacy, we like reward and comfort and security and peace, but we're sometimes uncomfortable with the first part. You know that idea about judgment and the anger and wrath of God. I think in the Western world the reason we're uncomfortable with this idea are for two reasons, and I want to share them with you just briefly. Why we're kind of uncomfortable with these ideas of wrath and judgment, and it's this. First, I think it's because... However offended you might think you are because the injustices that you experience in our society, we actually have it pretty good, right? When you think you're being cheated and robbed and you're disappointed and you're discouraged that injustice has been denied to you, you go back to your big screen television sets, right? You get underneath your nice warm down comforters and you think, woe is me, for just a little while before you fall asleep and wake up the next day and then you go and life is good. You have your mocha latte, you get your nice breakfast, you think the world is so unjust, but it passes to the comfort you realize in your life. Some time ago, my son and I were in India working with a group of pastors, and the young pastor that was there shared with us how he'd to go to seminary and what he gave up to go to seminary. In fact, it, it struck my son in such a way, he had been a little reluctant to go back and go to any more school. He was worried about the cost it would have for him, and 
until he heard these men talking about what they paid and what they gave up in order to get more education to study their Bibles. This young man had gone away to the city where there was a Bible school. While he was there, he was cold. He had nothing to keep himself warm at night. And then he got a blanket that was sent to him by his parents, and he was so excited. It was like an answer to God for his prayers. He had a blanket to cover himself up at night while he was doing his studies. But he ran out of money in order to pay for his classes, and so he sold his blanket in order to continue going to his classes. A little different from our experience. What we go through and the trials we face in our Western world and the injustices we face. Other places around the world, there are people who don't have the course of resolution for their legal concerns and complaints in the courts of their land. Most of us do, to some extent at least. But this is not the case in most places around the world. In many places around the world, people can literally get away with murder and do on a regular basis. And the church goes through horrific judgments and persecutions. I have friends I've told you before in Indonesia that have had their entire families taken away from them, have had their wives and their children, their land confiscated because they became Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. You've heard me share stories of my friend Surrender Singh in India, northern India, who is gathered together with a group of people to pray and study the Bible, and I'm in the hotel waiting for him to come get me because I'm going to go share with about 30 of these people that have assembled just to study God's Word, and they never come for me, and I find out what happened was that as they were gathering in the house and getting ready for myself to come, but it was something they did on a regular basis anyhow, that a number of thugs came from the neighborhood and broke into his house and began to beat up everybody in their house and began to tear up their Bibles and the police arrived and the police arrested the man and the people who were in the house rightfully. Disbanded the other people and took the people that were in the house and my friend at surrender and took them to the prison and kept them there for over a day before they finally released them. Not the people who were breaking into the house, not the people who were roughing them up. And, and on another occasion, just recently since that time, they began to continue to pester surrender and pour out garbage in front of his house. And he asked them not to do it. And then finally, as he was removing the garbage from the house and taking it away from the home, he had to take it to a place to deposit it with his wife and his son. They broke into the house and they molested his daughters that were inside the home because they could do it. And there's no recourse, and there's no one to go to, and there's no justice. And these, by the way, in countries where they have uh, constitutions that actually call for and avow themselves or say that they believe in the freedom of religion. What about those countries where they don't? Where it's not allowed? Where you don't even get the stories and they're not told? It happens all the time. I want you to know for those people, there's a deep gut felt longing for justice that we and the rest cannot appreciate. And their hope is set firmly in the middle of their weakness and their vulnerability upon the skies. And for the day when God will shake things one last time, they look for God to rend the heavens and come down, melt the earth and set all wrongs right, likely because of the injustices we do experience are not such that they take away our comforts, we're not, easy with the idea, we're not at ease with the ideas of, of judgment and justice. You know, we don't like what's going on, but Lord, you don't have to be too hard on people because you know, we're doing okay after all. But they long for the great God to come and bring a reversal to the injustice that hounds their life day in and day out. Here's another reason why I think we don't oftentimes in the Western world long for a final justice and judgment. It's because, and I think this is even more important, it's because we do not fully appreciate the insult of sin 
against the majesty and glory of God. This may be because we think too little of sin, but I think likely it's more because we think too little of God's glory and God's majesty. The greater our view of the majesty and the glory and the perfections of God and all his goodness, the more we understand how everything is made better and everyone is blessed when God is exalted to the highest place of honor in our world and our society, the more we'll want the day to come when God will put down everything that exalts itself against him and overthrow it in order that he might be magnified and glorified above everything else. And, and the Bible describes the final day of great peace and wonder upon the earth. It says in those days that the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth like the waters of the sea and result in peace and harmony and wholeness and blessing because the good, great, loving, just, holy God is exalted. We begin to understand that that's what the world needs and we begin to, in our spirit, strive against all the places where God's glory is robbed and defied and turned against. This hope is to cause us to endure in the face of resistance. It's to cause us to endure when we seem to be abandoned by everybody else. It's to cause us to endure when there's a delay in satisfying outcomes for our lives. It's to cause us to endure when we seem to be weared down by the accumulation of injustices that come upon us. When we feel though we are little and as nothing, we're to remind ourselves what God has told us lies ahead and to encourage our hearts and take comfort. The next thing that God is going to tell Zerubbabel, and we'll look at this next week, will be a promise of intimacy with himself. Zerubbabel is to be given the names that are given to the Messiah. Zerubbabel is actually going to be called in that day when the Lord returns and brings this final shaking. He says, in that day, it's going to be revealed that you're my servant, you're my signet ring, you're my chosen run. And in that moment, it's going to be revealed, Zerubbabel, that I'm wrapping you up in the identity of the Messiah, the universal king, the king of kings and lord of lords that is coming to the earth to bring all these things to conclusion and bring justice to the earth. There's this promise of intimacy There's this promise that is realized of comfort and peace being drawn up in the one who brings all power and all judgment to the earth. There's security in that. He judges, but I'm wrapped in him and I'm secure and I'm safe in him. Well, I would only say this, that you don't need to fear the day of judgment if today you've wrapped yourself up in the identity of Jesus Christ. He came once to die for your sins and to bring you into his complete and utter forgiveness. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what history's behind you, doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter how you neglected. Oddly enough, Zerubbabel's history is not so good. He's coming out of a period of tremendous judgment upon his own people. And God says, In spite of that, I see you, Zerubbabel, and I'm going to remember you, and I wrapped you in myself. You're going to be identified and discover that you were in me all along. You look upon Lord Jesus, who came meek and humble. And went to the cross perfect and sinless for your imperfections and your sins and died in your place. You identify with him. You receive him. You claim him as your own. He wraps you in himself. He's coming to judge and to rule, but he's promised to intimately share that rule with all those who love him and everyone who has set their faith upon him. They're found in his forgiveness. They're found in his wholeness. He comes to them as Savior. For them, that person has only hope and a longing for his promised return. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. I'll give it to you as a little little nugget. 
things that you can be sure of. You know, we said that the only thing you can be sure of are death and taxes. There's actually more than that. The Bible says you can be sure of. And it doesn't even mention taxes here. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, there's something you can be sure of. We're all going to die. And after that comes judgment. You can be sure of that too. There will be an accounting for your life. Those sins that are not resolved, those things you've not brought to Christ, that you've found no answer for because you've not found the answer in Jesus himself. There's death, there's judgment. But then it says, so also, Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many. There's the other thing I'm sure. Christ has died once for all for your sins. He's offered and he's bore your sins and he's suffered in your place. Will appear a second time not to deal with sin. He's not coming to provide the penalty or the punishment for sins, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Those who identify with him, those who believe him, those who accepted the work of his first coming will be waiting for him to be saved and delivered at his second coming. That's his promise. That's his promise. Wrapped up in him. When you're wrapped up in him that way, you say, oh God, yes. God, we do long for your justice. We want to actually express by the way we live just lives. That we're interested in justice. That we care for those who are made in your image. Whose images are being defiled. Your glorious image is being defiled because people are treating them poorly and wrong. God, we, we care for those things. We wait for your final and ultimate day of justice. Let's bow our heads. God, right now, shake things up in our lives. For some, we need protection, we need care, we need comfort, we need a sense of your presence and your reality. Shake things up. Bring to us the assurance that you're there and you're watching over us. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.